Hello, I am Kat. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining <laughs> Hi, this is Gabe and Cat Radio Time, where we <laughs> tell you about horrific events in the news. It is time where we say words to your ears. They are spooky words. Yes. Ah, yes, yes hello. Yes, we are. Hello and welcome. This is episode 54. Yeah. We are in the middle Ford. of our... Ford. This is our uh, isolation series, right? So, <laughs> yes. listener, guess where we are? We're inside. Oh, cool. Okay. I wasn't sure if I was supposed to guess or if it were just supposed to, like, pause the, for dramatic effect. Yeah. Did you guys guess? You got it right if you said inside. If you said, uh, I don't know. what. It, I didn't know this was a quiz. I don't know you're quizzing us now. I feel like they should know we're always in our basement. We don't go anywhere. Listener, we don't leave. Ever. Which is kind of the whole point of, of this episode specifically. Yep. We're talking about isolation indoors. Yep. When you're inside of a location, usually by your lonesome or with people, whether those are people you want to be stuck with or people that you're just, you are stuck with, you know, but you're stuck in there. You're isolated. It reminds me of the house that we lived in without windows. That was a time. That was a horror story in and of itself. Yeah, I just feel like that was very much like the epitome of what being, for myself at least, like isolated inside. And then like, I would go a whole morning and not know it was light out because there were no windows. Yeah. It you was... could just sit in there and be like, oh, well, I thought the sun existed, but there's no evidence of that here. So yeah, maybe I'll just die. I don't, no one would know. I'm in this windowless room. <laughs> I don't think I could ever just be stuck with, like, even people I love. You know, at some point, I'm going to need to, like, go outside or see a different person, like a different human. Even if I don't like that person, just to see it, to get some variety. <laughs> to remember how good you have it. You need to go outside and interact with people you don't like. So that when you come home to people you do like, you're like, oh, my God, yeah, that's right. You're, like, super cool. Yeah. Remember what everyone else I know sucks? Ugh, you. Yeah, let me come back. Or you're Love. like, wow, you really suck. I do not even <laughs> I mean, know. all these great other people, and you're terrible now. Why, why, am, why are we like this? Why are we stuck here with you if, you know, you're the worst? Now I know. But you need variety. Not you. I worry I love about you. this every day. <laughs> no. <laughs> I've met many people on my journey since becoming your friend, and I'm still here. So I better be the favorite one. <laughs> yes. I mean, we record a podcast every week. I have to love you. You have to love me for more reasons than just that. Well, Kat, you are an introvert. I am. How do you feel about the inside being I love stuck in being it? inside. <laughs> um, so it, it's tough because you have to have a fine balance. Because through my research, I was like, wow, a lot of these things are true for the days where like I get real gross and I don't leave my house. So, like, when you don't talk to other humans, it can be very good as an introvert for, like, a recharge period. Like, specifically, I think the biggest thing that as an introvert I need is quiet mm -hmm. and, like, unoccupied time where, like, I could just have a minute and be like, oh, my God, okay, the world, I can keep up. You can recharge. Because I've slowed it down for a yeah. minute. Or, like, I've gone somewhere where there isn't constantly a car honking and... Yeah. Dogs barking, noise, just lots of noise. And I've always been kind of sensitive to noise. I don't particularly know why. I don't know if that's just like the introverted element of me or. I'm sensitive to noise too. 
Yeah, I just don't like loud things, so it's yeah. really ironic that we live in the city. Yeah. Because, like, child me would have been like, you're not, no. You hate <laughs> the city. There's so many people there. You walk down the street and you are stressed. Mm -hmm. Because I would walk down regular streets and I would be like, oh, God, there's one other person. What do I do? Do <laughs> I have I to say hi? Hands? Do I have to smile? I don't know. And then I would make that noise and keep walking, and they would look at me, like, concerned. Very Tina from Bob's Burgers. Yeah, when I get stressed while walking, I don't know if you've noticed, we've walked in public many times together. I will, like, scream, like, quietly, but I'll go, ah, yes, until yes, I get through the crowd. Things, I get yeah. real stressed. Like, we went to the mall this weekend. Yeah. It was awful. <laughs> The whole thing. It was stressful. I hated it. There were so many people around. You, like, all of them walked slowly. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, I can't. I'm, a, I'm you, an aggressive pedestrian. You can't pick the pace because they're families, and you're not trying to push children. So, like, you and have everybody's to walk rude. slowly behind them. And then, yeah, everyone's rude. Everyone's kind of, like, cranky and mad because they're they like, why are we at right a mall? up on you. Like, you're supposed to part like the Red Sea. Yeah. This is a public space person. Yeah, it's, like, real stressful. You can't ever tell when people are going. Sometimes they're on their phones, and you're just like, I hate humans. I hate all other humans. I want to go home. And then I do. <laughs> and I go home, and the only thing I have to interact with is the cats. Yeah. And usually I'll just, like, watch TV or and just me. draw. Well, yeah, you're here, too. Wow. I don't consider you... A cat? No, like, a person that upsets wow. me no i consider you a person but like you're not on my list of people that if i'm feeling introverted you're you like don't get to be subpar there. human you're like no it's a compliment a i'm saying that like you don't drain me i enjoy your presence thanks i'm glad i'm not siphoning your energy life you're welcome. You're saying these things mad, but they're really nice words. <laughs> okay, that's good. So what I'm saying is, is that there are people who are like draining to talk to because you can't mm -hmm. be yourself. I think that's yeah. like the biggest element yeah, of it is like thing. with introversion is like having to put on a face. So like the song that I told you about today, Ariana Grande's Fake Smile. Oh. Her whole thing is that like she just doesn't have the energy for it. Mm. And it's, it's just like you have to go out in public and like put your makeup on and, like, act nice and act right. But you just sometimes don't have the energy for I it. I love her. I know. She's a role model for life. Yeah. I'll fight people about Ariana Grande, like, legitimately. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. <laughs> ever, ever since Mac Miller, I've been real defensive yeah, of her. I just no, feel I'll like I have you. to protect her with words because people are just very judgmental over, <sighs> like, loss and yeah. grief and all that other stuff. But, yeah, it's basically the whole thing is, like, when do you have to go places and be fake? Yeah. Put on a fake smile or just like not fully be yourself. It's exhausting, especially mm -hmm. for people who don't gain energy from being around other people. Yeah. So like, I feel like you're extroverted yet introverted sometimes. Like you're mm -hmm. introverted extrovert maybe. I think or we all just have introvert. limits at some point. Yeah. I think it's natural. I don't know if I, I think I'm an introverted extroverted introvert in that with certain people I could be all about it and like really energetic and like mm -hmm. friends you know like I enjoy spending time with certain people and there's not like a limit to that yeah but there's definitely like I'd say 90% of the other humans that exist that I know yeah interacting with them just because of the fact that I can't like be super real with every single person I meet yeah it's straining I'm tired even if it's like there are times where if it's like it's more than one person I can't 
Yeah. Like I need to go home and like decompress where I'll play video games all day and not talk to anybody. Yeah. And that's healing. But what we're going to see is where it's not healing. Yeah. Cause it's a usually not a choice. Yeah. I mean, I am very extroverted and I came from a very large family where there's people in and out constantly. Like we just were a very large family. We had like open door policies essentially of like where friends of the family, like whether it's the kid's friend down the street or your aunt's friend from work who has trouble, like anyone who needed a place to say it was my house. So, and, I, and that was just our whole life. And we're also big. Like we have lots of, I have lots of aunts and uncles and cousins and friends and all that. So there, it was always like a hub and yeah. so for me growing up, even not being in the city, it was constant, like, presence. Like, there was never alone. Like, there's uh -huh. always someone there. And so then, like, moving to the city, moving out on my own, that was a big thing, was, like, not having, like, a house that was constantly full with people in that yeah. way. But a lot of the times I do crave almost, like, a food like you know you just like get yeah. like a hankering for interaction for people so like for me to go out and just like hang out or just be in a place where I can talk and like enjoy the presence of other people can recharge my batteries as well but it, it's the choice and I think that's the big thing and that's what we're gonna see today is that a lot of it is it's not a choice and so then it's detrimental and it's extreme it's not like okay, I'm going in my room and I'm playing video games or I'm reading or I'm just doing that. Like, you're just completely, like, one, you're out of your element. Like, this isn't a comfort space. And it's extreme isolation or, like, yeah. extreme silence. And it's it's coupled with fear of the unknown because you don't know if you're going to make it out. Yeah. And so that that changes it. If you, like, you know that at any point you can open your door and go outside and see another person know that they exist, that's one thing. You can definitely enjoy yourself. But if you're, like, trapped, the door is locked, and you're in there, and you've never seen another person again, like, you can start going crazy. There's some really great, um, like, I think creepy positive stories even about people trapped and, like, not yeah. being sure that are, like, really cool. Yeah, and I feel like there's a way to isolate yourself also that, like, maybe you're not trapped, but you're trapped by your own mind. Like, the anxiety of going outside is just too much. Or, like, no one's reaching out to you, so you kind of feel like you don't have a reason. I don't know. I get to, like, to the point where I feel like 24 hours is, like, the good window. So if you're going to isolate yourself, taking 24 hours is okay. But if you extend past that is when you start to get into territory where you kind of lose what it is to interact with people. Yeah. Because, I mean, I can speak from experiences. If I've gone, I, I go through weird phases. <laughs> I spent a lot of my youth kind of like hanging out by myself. Mm -hmm. It was like my thing. I think it's, I was raised by an old man, so I feel like that's why. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you sit in a giant house and there's two of you. And it's just quiet all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so you learn to be quiet and you learn to enjoy quiet. But I think once you extend past the 24 hours is the territory where it's like you forget how to talk to people. Like mm -hmm. I know when I've gone through things where it's like no one texts me or calls me. I won't say words out loud. Yeah. All day. Or like if I do, I'm like talking to myself and that's weird <laughs> for like a passerby. So, like, you go an entire day with, like, not saying words to another human being. The next day, you're going to feel weird. It's just, like, a fact. Like, even yeah. myself, I'll notice that if I go a whole weekend and I have, like, 
done anything or like hung out with anyone. When I go to work on Monday, I feel awkward. Like I feel uncomfortable. I'm like, I don't remember how to words. <laughs> People are talking to me and I feel nervous. I'm like, why are you, what, why are you looking at me? Why are you here? Yeah. I'm stressed. And it's, there's actually science to back up the fact that lack of social interactions can be extremely detrimental to your health. Yeah, and we're going to dive into that. So Sounds fun, right? <laughs> Super <laughs> fun. Yeah, because this is our isolation series. So we are inside. So come on in. Oh, wait, no, you can't because we're isolated. Okay. isolation so there's been a lot to do with like isolating people and generally it is seen either as like a scientific experiment to see what the mind can do when you're alone yeah and then there's also this torturous aspect to it where it's could possibly be used to condition people to behave so as a punishment for the incarcerated one of the more famous versions of that is um, right here in Philadelphia, our Eastern State Penitentiary was one of the first um, prisons to like solely feature like cells that were like incredibly small and isolated. So they would be blocked off from light. So they had no light. Um, there would just be like no people. It was one person in a cell. And then once per day, they would like, open up like the back door for them to go out to the yard, but not to interact with anyone. There was just another cell that was outside so that they can see the sun for like 15 minutes and then go back in. And that was like, they were convinced that would fix people. And there were people in there who were, who did like petty crimes, like stole from the local store. Yeah. And are like in there. And so then they would go mad. They would lose like just basic like social functions and just not able and just uh kind of like deteriorate emotionally one of the more famous cells that is in eastern state penitentiary for anyone who doesn't know and you want to go visit is um al capone the Uh chicago gangster he had a cell that's supposed like if you go there his cell is supposedly this very luxurious cell that has like carpeting there's a radio in it Uh it has like a nice lounge chair he was only there for a little bit um before he left and ultimately died of i believe it was chlamydia now it's them's the times (laughs) but he was only here for a short time and then like was somehow let loose because of our shady system and his mass amounts of money from being an illegal gangsta Cool. Yeah, there and, and and on the other side. So when it's not used as a tool in an incarceration, um, which can have even fatal outcomes because of how how damaged people are, even from a few hours, honestly, in yeah. uh, in solitary confinement, can really damage the psyche, um, especially with silence. You yeah. just kind of lose perception of what reality is, and a piece of you breaks, and it's honestly one of the most inhumane things that does happen. Um, and we've, we've lost people, some, some of them innocent even, uh, because they have been put into those places. Um, but on the other side of that, there's also like experiments because we are interested in what, the, like, what isolation does or what 
not having social interaction does like yeah. the the esteemed monkey experiments right where they give the one the some monkeys have their mom the other ones uh-huh. had a robot mom so they became like aggressive because they didn't know what affection was they just got like nutrition from their mom sometimes uh-huh. they were just not even given that they were just like given nutrition and then just left to their own devices and then just could not after a certain age even learn how to interact properly yeah. And that's with monkeys, right? You'd be like, oh, cool. That's, you know, we, people don't, scientists don't care about animals, whatever. Well, but guess what? They do it to people, too. Yeah. <laughs> so there's, um, I would hope so, man. Like, you would hope <laughs> that they do it to people? <laughs> I would hope that they would care. Oh, yeah. No. Well, I mean, like, how else would we have this information, I guess? So here's the thing, though. Here And here's something that when you think about, testing and stuff right you really are these tests are taking advantage of a population that is vulnerable and isn't entirely aware of what's happening right and that kind of has to be the case like they can't get information or it's affecting what the results are going to be so there's reasoning behind it but it still is honestly just messed up so one experiment in which there were people who were isolated would be uh, an experiment that took place at McGill University Medical Center in Montreal. So um, what they did was they had, they invited paid volunteers. That's usually what happens. Like Uh come into this, uh, (laughs) this, um, I don't even know what it would be called. I guess just um, building. Well, no, like, it's, it's, they wouldn't call it an experiment, but, like, a testing, essentially. Come and knock on our door. <laughs> yeah. They're like, come into this experiment. We will isolate you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they uh, get paid. And usually that's that's why they get the certain people that they do. Yes. Um, in this case, it was a lot of college students. And they were tasked with spending days or weeks by themselves in soundproof cubicles, deprived of human contact. So these were um, soundproof cubicles where they would just, like, it was very small, and they, like, couldn't even, like, feel things either because they were given cotton gloves and cardboard cuffs and also translucent visors, so even their perception, like, their peripherals were were um, impeded essentially um so it was just like you were not going to be able to touch or feel or understand things so that's like just completely like sensory messing like yeah, you're messing deprivation. entirely with sensory. yeah absolutely yeah they had they slept on like u-shaped pillows so that it would um like denoise restrict the noise that would be coming in um and had like this continuous hum of air conditioning units to like mask any small sounds that might get through Oh my so gosh. they within hours became restless. Well, they, I would think so. Yeah, they they were craving any type of stimulation. So they would talk to themselves. They would sing. They were reciting poetry, just facts, things that they knew, just anything to like keep themselves busy and occupied. Because we're people, we need to keep active. You can only sleep so much. Yeah, and they like their um, like mentality would also suffer in that they couldn't do like arithmetic or word association tests like they would test them after like being so long in there and they would all like even after a few hours like lose the ability to really do basic things that they used to be able to do um more 
more on the alarming uh, effects were hallucinations. Uh-huh. They would, um, like, see lights or lines or shapes that would evolve into bizarre scenes. Uh, one of the examples was squirrels marching with sacks over their shoulders or possessions of eyeglasses filing down a street. Fun. Yeah, so just, you know, they're dreaming awake. Squirrel friends. <laughs> you can't have humans, so we have squirrels. Yeah, well, some of them even, because it's it's so extreme, this deprivation, that some of them even had, like, sound hallucinations. So just, like, audible hallucinations. So they would hear something that wasn't there, like a music box or someone singing. And yeah. there's no one doing that. Um, or even sensations of touch, like hallucinations. So someone felt like they were being hit in the arm by pellets fired from guns. And another uh, reached out to a door to touch a doorknob and felt an electric shock that wasn't there. And when they finally left the experiment, uh, BB, this is from BBC, they said they found it hard to shake this altered sense of reality, convinced that the whole room was in motion or that objects were constantly changing shape and size. Because you just lose, like... A sense of what reality is because yeah. you're, you're deprived of what that was and it's like some of them lose track of time they have no understanding of what time is if you even think about like when you're in an airplane for a long time right and if you're there for hours like if you're traveling um across the country or something when you come out you're just like what is it it's not even just the t- fact that time jumps you're just like i don't even know what the world is anymore because i've been trapped in this box of time you know and then if your ears don't pop you're also kind of isolated in that way so it's like different elements to that that can severely um impact that there are instances where people are kidnapped specifically i don't remember her last name but it was gd where she was isolated basically her entire child life until she was 13 years old and when they got her out like she had not developed the skill sets to understand language yeah and like as you said, like, peripheral, that kind of stuff is all a factor. It's like, in your young brain, as you're developing, social interactions are so important. Yeah. Because we are social creatures, and that's how we learn. Yeah. We learn through interacting or seeing or, you or know. acting out. Like, or and acting then out. learning from, like, mistakes that you make. Like, yeah. if you don't know what is, you know, appropriate on how to act, like, you can lash out and all that, and you learn from that. You learn, don't do that don't behave like that but she didn't get any of that so it was just instinctual feral. yeah and it's when you have like the young mind it's usually very elastic and that you can or plastic i guess plastic is these word they use in class <laughs> so it's moldable you can kind of if you crunch it all down it can pop itself back up with air mm-hmm. so once it gets social interactions if like you're young enough you can kind of bounce back yeah um but it's super critical in development of children is the social interaction so if you're isolated and you don't get to experience that it cuts off the chemicals that need to develop for you to kind of be able to process fear um understanding of your surroundings and basically aggression and basic social skills so if you don't have that you see a person you are immediately like what is this foreign thing? Yeah. I do not understand. You've never seen a mirror. You don't even know what you look like. Yeah. You're fearful. You're stressed. It's that whole... Plato's cave. Plato's allegory of the cave, where you have that weird perception of reality if all you've seen was shadows from the fire. And Uh then when you go outside, you're 
just absolutely floored by the fact that people are three-dimensional or not shadows on the wall. Uh-huh. Like that. <laughs> yeah, it is like that. I had another thought. Oh. So it was the whole thing we said in our Scare Your Kids episode. Yeah. If just because an absence of like what you should be scared of does not create an absence of fear. Yeah. So essentially, if you are being isolated and you haven't seen realistic threats, everything is a threat. Yeah. Your fear receptors are on. Because you haven't learned. Because you're used to being by yourself. Yeah. That's your safe space. Even if it's the most unhealthy space, that's your safe space and you don't know what to do when you're confronted with such foreign things. You're just like, that's an ant. It it will kill me. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Because I've never seen an ant before. (laughs) The ant is poison. We're all dead. Like, that's the the level of fear is exponentially worse when you're isolated Because you don't have anything to compare it to. Yeah. You can't be like, well, this doesn't do that. Like, you'll know, chair doesn't kill me, but that's about it. Yeah, essentially it doesn't get rid of an absence of fear. But if anything, your fear receptors are accentuated. They're larger. Because you aren't having a concept of what should be worse or better. Um, but also there's a specific chemical in your brain that has a long sciency name. But I'm not going to say it because it's hard to say. But essentially, if you are isolated socially for long enough, yeah. your brain starts to decrease the production of that chemical. Oh so similarly to how I have narcolepsy is the problem is my brain was like, you don't need to feel awake. I'm going to stop producing that chemical. So that chemical doesn't get produced very much, so I'm always tired. It's similar in that, like, you don't go outside. You don't socially interact with people. I'm going to stop producing that chemical yeah, that you teaches you it. what stuff is. You clearly don't need it. Yeah. It's a waste. So, and unfortunately, in situations where you're trapped or you don't have a choice, your brain still does that. It doesn't know the difference. Um, for example, it is also associated with depression, post-traumatic stress disorder in humans, and apparently there was a whole test on mice as well as flies, which makes me really sad. Yeah. Um, especially the thing you said about monkeys earlier. But yeah. essentially they would test isolated mice versus non-isolated mice and how they would interact with yeah. each other after being like separated from the isolation and that like essentially the results were that the mice that had experienced isolation for a long periods over the 24 hours lost all kind of ability to interact with the other mice like it would be aggressive to the other mice it wouldn't want the other mice to get close to it Mm -hmm. it's basic like social constructs and understandings were skewed yeah um and like for periods of extremely long isolation it was mice don't live very long so you know they never got it back which is really sad that that's their whole life now But basically, with humans, it operates similarly. If you go more than 24 hours without human interaction, your brain is going to act differently. Yeah. It's going to be harder for you. Whereas, like, because the brain is plastic, it can bounce back if you make it that long. Yeah. And you have people in your life who can teach you again and have that, like, patience with you. Yeah. The, like, sad end is if you don't. But, (laughs) yeah, big roundabout what you're saying isolation can be really bad especially even if you have like self-induced just being by yourself it just increases your brain's capacity to create yeah things that might not be there so that's why people hallucinate it's because they're trying to fill the unoccupied space yeah that people would fill because your brain will do what it needs to do to kind of cope and if it's you talking to a bowling ball thinking that's your best friend now 
Wilson. That's what it is. I mean, it's... Yeah. It you helps. do what you need to do to stay sane, even if it is a little insane. Like, it's... Yeah. The reality. You play, you play pretend so that you can retain the the social contracts. And, you know, I, and I feel like this is going to come up a lot more next episode, so next week. But it's like Chris McCandless had said and or wrote, uh, happiness only real when shared. Yeah. Chris McCandless is from Into the Wild. Uh. So we're next week we're talking about isolated outside, which is, that's a, a horror story in itself. Um, but yeah, he, it took him being all the way out there to be like, oh, wow, this is actually awful. <laughs> I'm really sad. Yeah, like all the people who are like, I want to go buy an island and be on an island by myself. It's like, sweetheart, no, you don't. I've seen Castaway. It's awful. And you just like, you need people, like even as an introvert, you need certain people who don't drain you yeah instead like you know make you happy or even or just understanding of like what you need yeah and you're not going to learn your brain's not going to learn to do that unless you're doing it go outside friends yeah go outside what do you stop i hope you're listening to us outside put your headphones in take us out that's one thing i'll say as pokemon go just walk around you know as a as an extrovert i feel very strongly about having podcasts or audiobooks or some kind of audio in my ear just like a person talking to me because if i'm out there i'm just walking around all by myself it's like i will go crazy let's just see where the thoughts come in the thoughts you maybe don't want to think so (laughs) much The ones yeah. that you suppressed for a while, and now you remember that when you were younger, bad stuff happened to you during an eclipse. <laughs> Silence does that. It's like, oh my god, are we getting real cat? <laughs> the brain oh reminds god. you of the things that I'm were so bad. Scared. We watched uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane, which is, uh, in a way, related to Cloverfield, which is the shaky cam film. And then later, the Cloverfield Paradox, I believe, is the next one. Right? I don't know. Beings, right? Things. Stuff and things from outer space. (laughs) This is from uh, 2016. I will say this. You really don't know its relation to Cloverfield until the end. Like, there's no real... Like... If it didn't have Cloverfield in the name, you would have been even more confused. You'd be like, what? Because there's really nothing to give you. I'm not going to be your daughter wife. I need you to (laughs) chill, dude. So this is 10 (laughs) Cloverfield Lane. With her car rammed by a heavy truck after fleeing a dead-end relationship in her hometown of New Orleans, the hopeful young designer, Michelle, regains consciousness only to find herself inexplicably handcuffed to the cinder block wall of Cryptic Howard's underground bunker. The grizzled survivalist claims he has saved Michelle not only from the obvious car crash, but also from an indistinguishable airborne toxic threat that rendered the air unbreathable and the earth uninhabitable. Could Howard be telling the truth, or is this mysterious or even hypothetical danger a deceitful pretense for something far more sinister? Directed by Dan Treckenberg. It was stressful, (laughs) y'all. Yeah. That movie was stressful. Because, like, you're, like, where she is. You're, like, huh. Wait a minute. That's a flaw in this plan. The things you're saying don't seem real true, big guy. You're a dad in a lot of movies, so I'm inclined to think you're not threatening. <laughs> but also, what happened to that girl? 
Yeah. What's not being told to me? Yeah, because it, so it's John Where Goodman. Are my pants, man? John Goodman is Howard. <laughs> He's the guy who has you down. So one, he plays a very good creep. He does yeah. do a good job, but he also feels just like he might be a little unstable, which does not help to drive home the whole uh, apocalypse theory for a lot of it. It does make us a little. Um, yeah, he seems off. You're just like, oh, yeah, dude. Like he's a do- he's just a doomsday prepper. His wife and kid left him because he's a doomsday prepper, and he just was extreme. Like I've watched those. Mo- I watched doomsday prepper shows. I get it, and I've also lived in those. Homes. I'm so excited for the game. It's called Mister Prepper, and you get to be a doomsday prepper, and it has a high up. It looks really fun. <laughs> yeah, but it it stars uh, him and also Mary Elizabeth Winstead, and apparently she was like. They didn't even have a casting call. They just wrote the part for her. Like, they huh. wanted it to be her. Um, if you're unfamiliar, she is Ramona Flowers. So, if you haven't watched Scott Pilgrim 1, what are you doing? Uh, two, she's from that. Um, she's also <laughs> in other things, but my brain is blank right now. But she, so she, in the beginning, she doesn't talk for the first, like, 12 minutes of the film. Yeah. And then her, she's just driving along. She hears something vague on the radio that would uh, would say would suggest that there's some kind of something happening, but, a spooky thing, if you will. Yeah, or like something like a, a news alert. But honestly, nothing that you would ever cause an alarm. Yeah, it's like we get news alerts all the time. It's, it wasn't like one of those emergency ones where it's like, eh, eh. it was just like <laughs> reports of blah blah blah. Children. <laughs> yeah. So she gets hit by a car and then wakes up underground in this bunker um there's one other person there who seems to have his wits about him but it doesn't seem very smart um but he believes uh, the apocalypse and he even tells her that he um like chose to be in there yeah like he knew him before yeah he helped him build the bunker so essentially what had happened was that john goodman's character howard built this bunker Believing in the impending apocalypse. He believes in things like uh, worms from outer space, things like that. Um, and so he built this bunker because he knew it was going to happen. And buried and, to your brain, you know. Yeah. And then Emmett uh, is just like this lowly townsfolk guy who helped him build it. And so something goes awry in the town, and which caused him to come and beg for him to be here, which was not Howard's original plan because Howard's also a pervert. But the Spoilers. first time, well, I mean, like, you get that, but the first time you're in that room, it definitely feels like she was just kidnapped. Like, you don't know you're in an underground bunker. You just think that he kidnapped her and chained her to the wall. And then all he's like, is. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's all spoilers. But then um, he, you know, tells her like, no, I saved you, actually. You should be thankful. And then it's like, uh, did he, though? And then Emmett's like. I chose to be here. And you're like, okay, maybe. And then something else weird happens. And you're like, maybe not. And then you run upstairs and you're like, maybe it is. And then you're like back in the world and you're going about your life. And you're like, but maybe it's not. And then <laughs> something else happens. You're like, but what if it is? That's the whole movie. One thing that sucked though is like, things were totally chill till like she freaked out the second time. Yeah. But. And I understand. But then <laughs> like, know. that guy maybe not would have died then. Yeah, but it was also, like, she was very, she was a very good survivalist. Like, she was very much, like, I can't remember her name, but the woman from Your Next, 
where okay. she yeah, had yeah. prepper. She, like, she even had her own kind of prepper that was like from the beginning, from the gecko, she is creating things to try to escape. Like yeah. if he was just a run of the mill, like there wasn't an apocalypse aspect to it, then she probably would have got out. Yeah. But um the fact that there's this element, so it's like a psychological thing that's keeping her there. Yeah. Kind of like with what was it? With that documentary we watched where the girl got abducted twice. Abducted in plain sight. <laughs> yes. Where he, like, the second time happened because he had brainwashed her. Yeah. You know, so it's a, this, you know, she physically at any time, if she really believed hold heart, wholeheartedly that she needed to get out of there and that if she got out there she would be safe, then she would have been gone already. Yeah. Um, But because of this tangle, this tango, you will, of the truth whether or not the outside is bad yeah and she does believe that to well, some because yeah, there's the one scene where like the woman with the face burns is like banging on the thing and like slams her head into the wall a bunch of times yeah kind of convinces you pretty accurately <laughs> that like something's not right you know yeah. on the outside it seems something seems off and i, I think feel like, like maybe we shouldn't go out there what do you think john goodman <laughs> I think he's a, like, yes. I think a good part of it is that she does, at some point, believe him. And from yeah. that lady, like, you can have written that any better, right? From that lady, she does believe that the outside is bad. But then she also can believe and understand that something is wrong with Howard. Yeah. And that he's also like, not all there and not, not cool. good. Yeah. yeah. He has, like, a... He's essentially, like, a pedophile. Um, had kidnapped a woman previously. So we find that out in the film. Yeah. Spoilers. And um, there's this very hilarious scene where they're playing charades. And... It's so hilarious. It's upsetting. It is very upsetting. But it's, it's so also gross. really kind of funny when it's happening. Because it's so uncomfortable. But they're playing charades. And he... Is little trying women to, yeah, is the he, the, yeah, the the clue present. is little little woman or little women. And so Emmett's like, well, it's what uh, Michelle is. And so he's like, little girl, princess, ch- child, little little girl, girl, young girl. Like he can't like he has equated her to a child, which is why he has kidnapped her and taken her because she's got like a very youthful look to her. But she is a grown woman. And so it's like this this awkward tension with Emmett and Michelle kind of looking and sharing with each other like, oh, and he's like stressed because he's so angry that he isn't getting it right. And then at the end, when it's like, oh, this little woman, he's just like, that's dumb, like give better clues next time. And then it's like, I did. I pointed to the grown woman next to me. Yeah. Just said it's like this. Princess. Stop. Oh my God. And then when he's doing, what is it? Santa Claus is his clue. And he's like, I see what you're doing. I'm always watching. And Emmett's like freaking out because he thinks they're getting found out for what their plan is. Yeah. And it's like, he's just losing. Like, man, I don't know what you're saying. Like, I don't know what that is. And she's like, Santa Claus. It's like, Yeah. Santa, like all aggressive, yeah. like and you're like, dude. Yeah, because he's not good. It's it was very fun, and even like the like it's just stressful the entire time, and the whole ending sequence. The last like twenty minutes is so high intense. Cause you're like, you got away from the one thing. Why? <laughs> you just I would can't be catch so break. pissed. Yeah. If I escaped the creepy pervert man. Yeah. Who just murdered my friend, and I saw his body melting in acid, and I was my like, only friend. Yeah. 
of like maybe in the, the only humans world. left. Yeah. You don't know. Exactly. So then like you gotta kill that guy and blow up the shelter. Because yeah. you gotta. He's trying to kidnap you what gross else times. Do? And then you get outside yeah. and the Air is poison, kind of, but not. And then it's not, but then it is. And then it's like, what is happening? It is a lot. It's so much. And it's like, like, I really like, just... I would just like to go back inside with Creepy Man, except, can't. no, I don't. I don't want to do that. What do I do? <laughs> what is this? I really would have like, loved... You're dead then. If Fine. just, like, Mary Elizabeth Weinstein just looked at the camera and was just like, really? Are you kidding me? Like, but she doesn't give up. Not for a second. She fights the entire time. And she's very clever, clever girl. She's that. Yeah. She's like a velociraptor, but a person. (laughs) And yeah, she's, she's, she's really amazing. As far as like, you know, uh, horror movie heroines go, she, she's one, she's up there. Yeah. She's pretty up there. I agree. If I was going to be stuck in anywhere, I want her to be there. We did. We watched. Gerald's game. When a harmless game between a married couple in a remote retreat suddenly becomes harrowing fight for survival, wife Jessie must confront long-buried demons with her own mind and possibly lurking in the shadows of her seemingly empty house. Yeah, so what we're, we're opened up with is Jessie and her husband, Gerald. They have retreated to like a lake house, right? Yes. To rekindle their romance. Ah, yes. Uh, it's very clear from the beginning that things are weird and just tense. They're so awkward together, yeah. Yeah, like, like they very uh, clearly don't really know, like, or understand each other. It's like this weird relationship where it's almost like an agreement that they're together and less of, like, a, a love at all. Yeah. And so, with this rekindling, Gerald has this fantasy to handcuff Jesse to the bed. And he does so. And she immediately is, like, triggered. She yeah. is like PTSD all up in there, and it's just like absolutely not. Yeah, this needs to end. Uh, they never establish a, a safe word. There very clearly isn't a real discussion that happened here. She was not given all the information. Like you can totally have these types of fantasies. Even people who have rape fantasies, like those are things that can happen. But there has to be communication, and that does not happen. There's yeah, there's no safe word, and also like, why are you using like real heavy duty cuffs, guy? Yeah. That's not necessary. Well, he, it, it was very malicious. It did not seem like we're doing this together. You're doing this for like, we're, we're doing this. This is what my kink is. And we're both coming. Exploring it. Yeah. Yeah. We're all, we're both figuring it out. It was, I want to do this thing and I'm going to use you to do it because you're, uh, you're easy to victimize. And so there was no respect for her. But the what happens is she gets handcuffed with these heavy-duty handcuffs, and she's triggered. She's like, nah, this needs to end. And she's like, unhandcuff, un- unhandcuff me now. Like, she even, like, I think bites him. Like, she's, yeah, she li- does. she's literally just like, get off. And so at one point he says to her, what if I don't? Right? And there's this whole buildup where he, like, asks her to scream, but no one will hear her. Like, that's why it's okay. Yeah. You know there's no safe word because she's saying stop, and he's like... Oh, this is the part of the thing. And he has a heart attack. Yeah. Right on top of her before unhandcuffing her. And he falls dead on top of her. And she, like, is holding him up with, like, her feet and then kicks him off. And he's hella dead. Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't dead before. He's definitely (laughs) dead after his head hits the real solid floor. Yeah. 
So then she's stuck there. And so the whole movie is, so it's based off of a Stephen King novel of the same name and story. But in the novel, it all takes place from her head. It's yeah. her struggling with her own psychosis and, and memories and challenges and being stuck in that room and going crazy yeah. um, and being trapped because she can't get out. Yeah. Um, in this, in this movie to, so it's not just like monologue, monologue, monologue. She, her visions and her inner monologue is represented by Gerald, who's dead, but like he's back, yeah. <laughs> um, to be her like conscience, one of them. And then a version of herself that is tougher and has escaped. Yeah. And they both like f- lead her to like an escape through, like memory like her traumatic memories of like remember when this happened use that in this sen- this instance yeah well that thing that was like really bothersome to me you know there's a handful of things but the one that like really got me is like unoccupied time yeah is a big thing so the longer you live within that realm your mind's going to fill that space yeah especially if traumatic events are happening yeah so like you are not going to be fully in your body sure but her level of, like, not trying to escape for as long as she does not try to escape is crazy to me. Yeah. She's like, I, psychotic break totally makes sense if you see your husband getting eaten by a dog. Yeah. And he has just died on top of you. Yes. And you're changing I it. get that that would cause, like, especially considering her past, like, para- paralysis, essentially. Yeah. Like, paralyzing fear or paralyzing whatever, where you can't kind of think or move. Yeah. But, like, when she starts to come to, the fact that her reaction is not, like, her, like, her, it's like her head doesn't work. And maybe that's because she's so triggered. I don't know. Yeah. But it was well, just, I mean, like, crazy to me. Think about what had to be done in order for her to escape like you had to be at a very critical moment of instability to be able to do that to yourself to get out but she doesn't like she is very calm in the way that she's not like trying like she's not hurting herself like unintentionally by trying to break out where it's like for me there's one time where i was visiting a friend and she had this faulty door that didn't have a handle so it was like known amongst like the roommates not to close it but one of the roommates had a friend over and they left and they closed the door. So we were trapped inside. And it took me all of five minutes before I lost it. Like I was like, there's no way I'm going to be trapped. Like literally like anyone could have come home at any time and then the door would have been opened. But I was like, but right now I am st- stuck in this house. <laughs> like even with there a friend windows. of mine. Hmm? There were windows? No, it was, no, it was like an old, like it's a West Philly home. It was it was crazy. And we were just stuck in this room, like the way Yo, that it was. No, no, and no, I was no, just no. like, no. And then we also ordered food. So <laughs> the delivery person had to leave it out on the stoop. And I was just like, I was absolutely losing it. So I ended up taking the door off the hinges. But it was like my immediate, res- like, there was no moment of like, you know what? Someone's going to come around. Like, blah, blah, blah. Like, You're it really like, wasn't nah. even that high end stress. Like, it was such a, ch- it was totally chill. We could have been fine. There were, it did not need to happen. But my immediate response is like, I need to know that I can get out of here if I need to get out of here, which means it's going to happen now. <laughs> so I was like, if that means I'm tearing your house apart, that's what's going to happen because you're not keeping me in here. And it was just like, that was the craziest like thing I think I've ever experienced is like, nope, I don't do like you can't trap me in a room. I'm going to lose it. 
That's, yeah. This is I the mean, one. <laughs> that's kind of where I'm at with it, is that, like, there's just a natural fear response when you feel like you can't move or, like, yeah. get out of something. So, like, specifically not being able to move, I would be, I would be trying to rip everything off. I'd be, like, moving the bed with my yeah. body. I'd be, like, jerking to try to get closer to the phone. Yeah. Like, the level of calm that she is is just, like... Maybe she's just a very different person. Yeah. But, like, it's hard as a human to not, like, try to put yourself in other people's shoes, I guess. So I'm sitting there, like, well, I would be losing my mind. Like, yeah. I do not handle not being able to move my own parts very well. Yeah. I get mad and stressed. I was locked in a, like, toy room once, and, like, I almost broke the door off. Like, it's real. <laughs> it was very much just like, slamming on it like till i think i like cut my hands up yeah there's there's no way there's no and with her i I think a lot of it is so within like they use her past trauma of being molested by her father to like remind her what's around her which is like a really interesting way to do that what to like tie in a past to like empower you in the future kind of thing yeah and the way they do it is very interesting because it's very dreamlike, right? You're revisited. But you can tell that she was, like, a very quiet and, like, soft girl in the way she was manipulated back then. And, like, they say it, like, he put the handcuffs on you long before Gerald did. And it wasn't, yeah. like, real handcuffs. It was emotional handcuffs that Where, he like, tricked she her. she just didn't feel like she could act. Yeah, and that's or, how like, she got trapped into this situation. Real. That's how she ended up with Gerald in the first place mm-hmm. is, like being like having been handcuffed and trapped emotionally back then so in this moment where she's physically handcuffed she's still mentally handcuffed so she has to get over that and surmise that obstacle before she can do the physical obstacle which was horrific so there's also in this place there's also actual real life physical things that are happening one she has the potential to dehydrate she understands you only have like three days tops before you're dead so she does figure out how to get water a little bit which was actually really cool uh there is a dog a wild dog that is continuously eating her husband a little bit and feeling her out to wait till she dies which is honestly kind of nice because there are plenty of dogs that would just eat you like if you fall asleep too hard they eat your face and jesse is lucky in that she found the one dog that wouldn't do that who oh would just God, wait till you do that. There's also the Moonlight Man. He has a different name in the book that I can't recall right now, but it's essentially this really tall, dark creature that's in the corner of the room. Yeah. Uh, like, at one point, like, she wakes up and she sees him, and he's super creepy and has this bag full of jewels and stuff. Yeah. Um, which makes for a really, like, wacky turn ending, which happens in the book. Um, Mike Flanagan is the director of this. He's also directed The Haunting of Hill House, oculus in one of the ouija films so he knows horror and with the haunting of hill house like the similar idea of like isolation and family corrupted like um dynamics with oculus that's super isolated and it's like two siblings who are confronting their past as well so he's very familiar (laughs) with doing this but gerald's game was like his thing like ever since he read it like in high school i think it was he was like i want to make this into a film which is crazy because this is like not the kind of this isn't one of the books that anyone would be like this is gonna be a movie but he kept that the wacky ending which is that the the moonlight man is real yeah and that he was a guy who was going around desecrating graves stealing their um jewelry and stuff also having sex with the male ones and then also 
He's taking their parts. And then actually, like, then attempts to kill someone and, like, cut off his ear. And that's when he got caught. And then she finds out that it was him and, like, goes and confronts him. Yeah. Which is, like, a really crazy thing. Like, she's, yeah. like, the whole story was she's trapped in this room. And you think that that guy is just her imagination. But she just yeah. got lucky that he had a thing for men, not women, and also for dead people and not women who are just strapped to beds. Yeah. Lucky. Also lucky that she found that dog that does not just kill people. It's not I'd be like, hey, Moonlight Man, I'll give you my ring. Get that key, please. <laughs> she thought he was a figment. <laughs> hey, guy, hey, you want to do me a favor? You're really scary looking. <laughs> but, like, I need a solid. I need you to do me a solid. I need you to get that key over there. I'll give you I'll stuff. give you jewels. Listen, my husband's down there. I hate him. He's dead anyway. Take whatever you want. Take whatever you need from him. Take his ears, take his penis. He can't use <laughs> it no more. He's dead. It. Just take it. You know, but I'm having on this bed. Except right now. <laughs> There's nothing better to happen on this bed. <laughs> Except everything. So yeah, just do me a do me a solid guy. Listen, I know the undead Gerald and the the more cooler version of me are a figment of my imagination. You are a variable in which I cannot define. So on the off chance that you are a real person, could you just like help a lady out? But she's definitely like, you were made of moonlight. You are not real. And that's what he says to her later. Well, there's also that weird thing where it's like, if she didn't realize that he wasn't real, like if she thought he was real. Yeah. I feel like he might've killed her. Because that's a different reaction. No. I feel like she would have been screaming. Yeah. She would have been like, get away. Yeah. She would have been You know, yeah. I feel like it would. And he would have reacted. It would have like antagonized. But he, a, she went right up to him and handed her ring. Which yeah. he probably was like, whoa. I feel like, yeah, I think like her screaming, like freaking out that if she thought he was real. You put yeah. a pillow on her face. You say, stop screaming. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was. <laughs> so ridiculous. Um, I will say, so if you do get a chance to watch this film, we, we spoiled quite a bit, but the, I, it gets like a 10 out of 10 gore rating only for like the last, like the one, literally one scene that even I had to look away from and I can do whatever, but she, the way that she has to get out, I would say the, the, the phrase degloving herself <laughs> to, to express which i don't know if that's exactly oh my god it's so bad it's i've seen worst. it in my head it won't go away yeah it was and we've seen it twice we've watched this movie twice and i didn't remember i blocked it out i had blocked it out so then when it was start, it was about to happen yeah. i was like oh my god this thing happens and then i had to watch it again and it was traumatizing yeah. that's what she had to do to get out I definitely understand that she has a lot of mental hoops to jump through before she gets to that point. Saying like maybe she could have got out, she only kind of cut her hand. I don't know. I th I think the skin was in the way. <laughs> okay, bye. Yeah, feelings. Yeah, feelings. Yeah, I said feelings. Let's talk about feelings. Okay. So if you like it, it's Moonlight Man. You're made of Moonlight. Or if you don't like it, it's Little Princess because it was super cringe, super, super, super cringe, cringe time in that film yep. when he could not remember the word woman for the very literal woman in front of him.
And so for this, the topic of isolation indoors, extreme isolation indoors, not you made the decision to step away from people for a minute and play your video games. This is you are either, you are trapped in the place either because you're getting paid, but you're being, you know, sensory deprivation or possible apocalypse or uh, change your bed. So what's your feelings? Hey, Mr. Moonlight Man, what's up? Moonlight Man? Take my ring, not my hand. Thanks, friend. <laughs> Blue Moonlight Man, <laughs> you saw me laying alone <laughs> in a bed. <laughs> oh, you like it? You're digging it? Yeah, I'm for it. I mean, like, not for, like, it happening to people, but it's interesting. It is interesting. It makes me want to be more extroverted because I'm like, ooh, bad stuff happens. Yeah, your brain hurts. Ooh, that's not good. I need to go outside maybe. Yeah. I don't like people, but I got to like people a little bit. Yeah. And also if the apocalypse happens, now I know that that whole like pick who you're going to try to be with at that time. Yeah. You got to really do that. Okay. What about for the film? They were good. (laughs) Moonlight Man. Moonlight Man. Yeah, I agree. Here are all my jewels. They're so they're so different, but they both triggered things in you. Like they both triggered my defenses. Like if I were like, as I feel like I would have operated like Michelle, as soon as I was stuck in that room, I'd be like, all right, how do I get out of here? And then even with that guy being like, there's an apocalypse. I'd be like, okay, but how do I survive the apocalypse? Because I'm getting out of here. Because you're not keeping me in here. <laughs> like I'm tearing down the walls. There's no way I'm staring in here. And the same thing with it. It like triggered this like I get I maybe I'm claustrophobic and I don't know. Well, I feel like if it was a Jesse situation, I'd be losing it because one, you're by yourself. Mm-hmm. Two, you know the outside's fine. You're looking at it. You're like, hey, I want to go there. Get me off this bed. But with the Michelle thing, I feel like I would have been like, okay, and probably just like went along with it until he did something weird, and then I would kill him. Yeah. With poison or in his yes, sleep. I think, you know yeah. I wouldn't have been like, how do I, I get out been of like, here? Why is this guy like this? I'd be like, oh, thanks, yeah. dude. I don't understand why and we And if couldn't he was weird, him. I would have been like, oh, that's okay. I'm good at like maneuvering in toxic stress situations and being like not yeah. inducing of rage. Yeah. And how to be like cool. If anything, I'm really good at calming people down. Yeah. So I would keep him from getting weird a lot. Yeah. Probably until he was just like really weird. I think the second that he seemed weird, yeah. It's like, why couldn't, when he's watching TV, you just go up like with a, like a screwdriver and a hammer and just right in the head. And then it's done. We're done dealing with it. It's no more. He's gone. Now it's just me and my friend Emmett. We're just living out the apocalypse. Now we have more food because this isn't eating it. And he's not looking at me weird and calling me a princess baby. So. Repopulate the earth with my weird Emmett (laughs) children. With my Emmett friend. This poor sweet baby. Yeah, like, totally. He, yeah, easy answer, kill that guy. Yeah. Well, th- I think the thing is he had a gun is why they were unable to. But I feel there like, There's yeah. plenty of times he was just sitting there. He didn't know. He does a sleep, you know. He also does a sleep. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't go about it right. But I'm just saying, like, I totally no, wouldn't out. have been like, I need to get out of here. I would have been like. They have cleaning supplies down there. All right, the apocalypse is here. Yeah, I would have cooked. I would have given him a. I would have given him bleach tea. Yeah, we'll just open his mouth. Yeah, bleach put, tea. Yeah. <laughs> Here's some Drano. Right out, drain your organs. Clean here you go. Tum-tum. Yeah, cleans baby's tum tum right, right to death because you're out of here, mister. 
And then we just, maybe we discover the, the so acid afterwards. that you let me stay here. Thank you for building this entire You're shelter for me. Best Your baby princess. Prince ever. Oh my God. You are the king. He's just of ice this king. shelter. Here is my heart. Drink this poison. <laughs> pillow. Shut up, pillow face. <laughs> Stop screaming. Here's pillow. That's it. The end. So that was isolation <laughs> indoors. So don't, don't get, get married. The They'll eat your, your kids. kids. Little moonlight man. Saw me laying alone. Without a husband here. Take his ears, but not my leg. <laughs> With just a dog on my own. Yep. You're welcome. Beautiful. Okay, bye.